two women, two women came before wise King Solomon, dragging between them a, a young man in a, in a nice suit. This young man agreed to marry my daughter, said the first mother. The second said, no, he agreed to marry my daughter. My sword, bring me my biggest sword. We're going to cut this man in half. Each of you shall get half. Sounds good to me, said the, said the first lady. The second woman said, oh, king, do not spill innocent blood. We, we shouldn't let this man, let the other woman, uh, woman's daughter, have, uh, have, marry him. The wise king did not hesitate for, for a moment. He said, indeed, th- this man must marry the first lady's daughter. But, but she was willing to, to let him be cut in two. That, that doesn't make sense. Exactly, he said. That shows that she is the true mother-in-law. <laughs> I better turn this way for a little while. <laughs> Although that story is not exactly how the Bible tells it, uh, Solomon was, was known for his, his wisdom. And so today as we continue through the book of James, we seek spiritual maturity. Uh, we're we're going to begin by asking this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? And so we're going to play a game of true or false, just, just for fun here. Maybe we can see who is wise. So if you want to use your bulletins, there's five, uh, five just T or F there, true or false. Number one, uh, we'll start with them pretty easy, hopefully. Worshiping God in nature is a good substitute for going to church. That's, that's false. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All right, next one, number two. In the first century, believers met on Sunday. Yeah, that one is actually true. Now, the Sabbath was Friday evening at sunset to sun- Saturday evening at sunset, but Acts 27 says this, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. That would, that would make for a long sermon. Um, number three, although the Bible teaches giving, it does not specifically refer to taking of a collection. That is false. 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So weekly instead of just uh, special collections. All right, number four. Uh, the only reason for going to church is to hear the preaching of the word. That's, that's false. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And when I saw those, that, that verse, I, I went to Mark. I, I said, why, are we, why do we spend so much time singing if, if uh, it's not even in the, the main four that we read? He said, you got to just keep reading it and then come back and talk to me. Well, verse, verse 47, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. So I guess we have to keep singing songs then. Uh, I know some people like that. I'm, I, I just like, I like to talk, so I wish I could come up here for an hour and talk, and, you know, we don't have to sing. Just listen to me talk. <laughs> so, number five, the first century church had a commissioning service for missionaries. Say so we have it for ministers, but in, uh, it's true. In Acts 13, they were, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I, I use that one because I think it's great to, just to show the idea of, of sending people out. Um, so did anybody get all five right? Okay, good. Well, then we'll have a curve on this to grade. Um, so who is wise 
and understanding among you? That's, that's the question that we're trying to figure out here. There's a, lot, there's a much easier answer than uh, taking a quiz. Um, we just finished the verse, verse 13. It says, uh, it finishes, Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. See, the quiz is, is about knowledge, and knowledge can be very helpful, and we encourage you know, Bible study and reading your Bibles, um, but it can be a very dangerous tool as well. See, the Pharisees misused Scripture. Uh, some groups today call themselves Christians, and they do it by misusing Scripture. Satan tried to lead Jesus to sin by misusing Scripture. And if we aren't careful and we don't have wisdom, then we could also misuse Scripture. So James tell, tells us that it's very important not just to know the Scriptures, but to seek God's wisdom in this. And so we're going to look at, at two kinds of wisdom in James chapter 3, um, beginning in verse 14. So James three fourteen it says, But if you har- harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now, a couple of the, the, the terms there really stood out to me in verse 14, selfish ambition, bitter envy. Now, how could these look like wisdom? That doesn't make sense. If you just read this passage, how would, how would bitter envy and selfish ambition look like wisdom? Um, well, the truth is we've been warned about this before. I want, I want to look back into the Old Testament, into Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Um, and I thought about just, just reading a little part of it, but I think it's probably good to read all of it. It's the Ten Commandments. So Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord God, or the, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So there was a lot there, I know that, but it all, all goes down to the last verse that we read, verse 17, you shall not covet your, neighbor, your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor, neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's the problem. I read verse 17, and we're going to look at that, because in this context of James and seeking wisdom, we see that the problem was envy, which led to selfish ambition. Well, this commandment is about envy. It led to all the other nine commandments being broken. So this was a problem all the way starting back with Adam and Eve in the garden. 
uh, Adam and Eve, they were envious of, of God, and, and, uh, and Satan tricked them. But, but he, they did fall for it, and like, well, we want that too. We want, we want the knowledge of good and evil. It was a problem with Cain. Cain envied God's favor on his brother Abel, because Abel had, had, uh, had been more devoted to God, so Cain killed him. Envy led to that. It was a problem with Joseph's brothers. He, he was their dad's favorite and got a special coat, and they didn't like it, so they, they sold him into slavery. Envy was a problem with Saul towards, towards David, and James is addressing this problem again. Envy is a problem, and James is telling us that it's disguised as wisdom. Now, that doesn't make sense to me still. We're not there yet on, on how we would think of enviness as, as being wisdom, but we're going to get there. How many of, of you here would say that you're competitive? I, most people are competitive in something. Now, you're going to try, and you want to win. I think we all want that. Um, but when we make our life about con- comparing ourselves to others, that's when we have this bitter envy, and then it leads to selfish ambition. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the top. Uh, I'm going to get that promotion if I have to lie about myself or about someone else. I'm going to get there. Why does everybody like, like him better than me? So then I start a rumor to try, to try to fix that, try to correct it. See, that stuff doesn't look like wisdom on the surface, but when we, when we make ourselves look better than others... Uh, we think that we have more wisdom, and then we boast about it. So we, do, we don't boast about the journey on how we get somewhere, but we boast about uh, the results. See, I, I might have a, um, you know, a really nice house and, and, uh, and the job that, that I've wanted really badly, and, I, and I've got there, and so maybe I'm, I'm proud of that, and I, I might tell people. But what I may not tell people is how I had to cheat the system or how I ha- had to uh, lie about someone else to get there. It's very easy to, to boast about the accomplishments, but what led it, what led it to happen? See, was, it, was it bitter envy? Was it that you compared yourselves to another person? You, don't, you, don't, you aren't necessarily following God's will or what you think he wants for your life, but you see what that person has and you want that. And so you do whatever you take to get it. When you, hit, when you get it, you don't, you don't brag about the lies and the deceitfulness and, and, uh, and the cheating, anything that led you to get that, but just that you have it now. See, that, that's, that's where this, this plays out here. And then James goes on in describing this kind of wisdom. He says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So three words that do not stand alone. It's not three separate terms. Uh, they're progressively getting worse. Um, see, first, earthly. Well, that doesn't sound so bad. And then unspiritual. That's a little worse. Demonic. Okay, now it's getting really bad. And so next to each one, I want you to jot down a note here. Next to earthly, just write corruption of the world. That's, that's what he's referring to in your bulletins. Next to earthly, corruption of the world. The next one is unspiritual. This is sensual or passions and desires. Okay, still, maybe not, maybe not too bad yet. Demonic, though, completely apart from God. I'm just trying to give you a little time to write here if, you, if you'd like. But the corruption of the world uh, is the wisdom that looks like power and pleasure and safety. Not bad things. It's this context that we're reading it in. People will go to great lengths to acquire power, pleasure, safety. Again, not all those things are bad. But James is speaking this in the context of comparing, of enviness of, of all those around us, of, of jealousy, and then having this crazy desire to, to try to... to, try to accomplish more or have it better than someone else. And then these sensual desires um, being unspiritual. Now, this, this isn't necessarily bad. Um, again, we know the context, but, but we get hungry, and so we eat. 
we get tired, so we sleep. Not bad. But when we do it apart from God's will and when we try to make our lives just about satisfying these, well, sleeping's not bad, but laziness is a sin. Eating's not bad, but gluttony's a sin. The problem is when we make our lives just about fulfilling these desires, and it's always a comparison game. In our, competitive, in our competitiveness, uh, we never really accomplish it. There's always someone else that has it better or has more, and, and it just draws us away instead of, of trying to make the world better and, and instead of trying to make it on earth as it is in heaven, we're just spending all our time trying to make our little world better. It's better for me. That's all. And that's what James means when he says demonic. It, it actually used to be translated, instead of saying demonic, it said uh, of the devil. Um, similar translation, um, but demonic, I mean, of the devil. You can't get further apart from God than that. And so then what's the result when we live this way? Well, verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Disorder and every evil practice. Why is this world so chaotic? Why is there so much disorder? Why, why, why do people think they can do this and, 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 uh, and this is okay? Disorder and every evil practice. The kind of wisdom is it's so selfish and it leads to so much jealousy because it's so self-centered. It's just about me. And we don't like selfishness and we don't like jealousy, but how self-centered are we actually living? I mean, look at our own lives, the decisions and the time and the resources that we have. How much do we really give to, to others or to God? How much do we, do we make it all about ourselves? Because we're, we're the problems in the world. I mean, we really are. The, the Christians, uh, well, the problem is when we don't seek out wisdom from above. When we try to seek wisdom from the world around us that is, that is dark, well, we can't be a, a, a bright light in a shining world if we're trying to just fit in with the world and trying to, um, even, even we can Christianize it, we can say, I don't know if that was the word, we can try to make it appear to be more Christian, um, but are we really doing that or are we just trying to make ourselves look a little better at it? Um, James wasn't sharing this problem because it might happen. James was sharing this problem because it has happened since the first people who ever existed. It was happening then and it's still happening today. He knows this is always going to be a problem. And so he says, guys, envy, selfish ambition, this is, this is what's going to happen. Um, we saw the results. But luckily, it doesn't end that way, and he offers an, al- an alternative. That's in verses 17 and 18. It says this, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so the second kind of wisdom is wisdom that comes from heaven. Our, our, our biggest focus from this verse, it seems very simple, and it doesn't seem like it has a ton of meaning, just some, but it's wisdom that comes from heaven. That's, that's really the, what's going to matter here more than anything else. So next it comes from heaven, just write this. It is a gift from God. It is a gift. See, just a couple chapters ago in James 1.5, we read, If any of you lacks wisdom, which is what we're looking for today, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Anyone. God will give wisdom to anyone. Now, it, it doesn't always feel like I have the, the wisdom that, that I need, and maybe it doesn't always feel like some people around me have the wisdom that, 
that, uh, that we're needing, or maybe sometimes it feels like the church doesn't have the wisdom that, that we're needing, or the, what he's talking about here. Um, but I'd, there's a reason. And I don't want to take away from next week's message, but in your Bibles, the, the heading for the next section, not, not the verses, just the heading, it probably says, submit yourselves to God. See, James writes all of this building off of what he's already said. And, and we can't just take this one little section out of it and, and leave the rest out, but but it started somewhere, and then we get to here, and then next week it'll go even further. And, and so submit yourselves to God. Um, that's what it takes. It doesn't always look like wisdom, but it is a gift. And so we think, well, I have to submit myself to God to get this wisdom, so I need to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and pray for two hours and only listen to Christian radio and, and all this, then I'll have this wisdom. And although that would be great if everyone did that, um, that's not really how people receive this wisdom uh, from God. 1 Kings 4.29, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. Luke 2.40, and the child, Jesus, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Okay, first Solomon, very wise. Then Jesus, very wise. This one may hit us a little bit more, followers of Jesus. Luke 21, 13, Jesus said to his disciples, And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So what did they have in common? How did they get this? Number one, all these people submitted to God, and number two, all these people were given wisdom. It's, it's that simple. We submit to God, and we ask for it, and, it, and he gives it to us. But how do we know if we have it? I mean, really, well, the answer was there. We read it already, but let him show it by his good life and by deeds. Now, good life and deeds. Um, good life to who? I mean, how do we compare that? I mean, next to one guy, I might might look like I'm a saint, and then next to this person, I might look like one of the worst people in the world. So how do we know what this looks like? Well, verse 17, um, it, it, he goes into detail on what that actually means. But the peace that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So this is what it would look like if we actually had this wisdom. We would be pure. So that means we would be clean righteousness. We'd be pursuing that at least. We would be peace-loving. We would seek unity. We would want the church, the, the body of believers, to grow closer to each other as we grow closer to God. Now, do we really want to live life, life together? I don't always want to do that. Sometimes it's nice to go to church for one to three hours a week and, and enjoy that, uh, the fellowship, but then go home and have peace in my living room the rest of the week, you know, apart from relationships and messes and trying to help people we don't always want that, but that's what this looks like when we live this out. We would be considerate. Uh, this would be thinking about others. It would be uh, not always have to be right. You know, giving up that need to be right all the time. That competitiveness that we had makes this pretty hard to, to live this way. We would be submissive. Again, pretty hard to be competitive if we're submissive. We'd be willing to submit to one another, not just to God or to our boss because we had to, uh, but to one another, to our, maybe to our friends who are trying to help guide us, or to our spouse who we'd say, oh, she's, she's so controlling. But with a different attitude, with a submissive attitude, we would say, 
Why, why is she so loving? And why does she care so much? Why does he care so much about me? It's the attitude that we have the perception of, uh, do I want to grow? Or do I just want to keep to myself and make it about me? The wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit, it says. You know, we're looking out for each other, not just your family or your friends, but the person who's 10 rows behind you or across the room, and maybe you've never talked to them before. Uh, this wisdom leads us to be impartial and sincere. See, are you wanting this for the good of others, or do you just, just want it for yourselves so that you can grow your own kingdom? Now, now that we know what this wisdom looks like, because it's not easy, these words look very nice, but they don't necessarily look fun. I Really, I mean, if you think about, do we really want to, to walk around and always being pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit? Do we want to forgive people? Do we want to, uh, always, do we want to have an opinion and do we want to side with people? Um, do we want to be right? Well, of course we want those things. That's what makes us so hard. But it comes from heaven, so it should be right, right? So do we really want these? Um, maybe we want the other kind because then we get to, we get to work for it. And we get to gain it. And I can have more wisdom than someone else. I mean, I could work really hard and be, be very wise, but if you don't work as hard as me, you're not going to get that. But the way that, the way that James says this is, no, if, if you ask for it, you can have it. And if, if he asks for it and she asks for it, they can have it too. That takes all the, the competitiveness out of it. That's not as fun, maybe. But it's not about being fun. It's about the result that we're going to come across. See, the, the, the result to this kind of wisdom, to living this way as an individual and as a body, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's the result. Those who have had this kind of wisdom are called peacemakers, and they pursue righteousness. And, and, and those who live with this wisdom then are living for God, and it's a gift, but but if we pray, if we pray the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven, we, when we live this way, we're actually moving in that direction. We're not just saying, God, I want it to be more like heaven, but now I'm going to go live for myself. No, we want it to be this way, so we're going to submit to you, and it'll, we'll move in that direction. And Jesus says about peacemakers, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. What better title and when we ask our, our Heavenly Father for wisdom, then He gives it to us because He knows this is the best way. So we, so we keep reading through the book of James. And I, I really do like this book a lot, um, but I kind of don't sometimes because it feels kind of harsh. It, I, don't, I don't want to you know, always be preaching about calling people out, and even myself, but it just sometimes feels like, man, I, I just want to be inspired and I want to walk out with a smile on my face. And, and going through the book of James, it doesn't always put smiles on our faces, I, I don't think. Um, but I, I think, uh, well, there's a commentary that I read. Um, I, I didn't really read it. I looked at the cover. It said, it said uh, a commentary on James, be mature. That was, that was the title, be mature. And, uh, and that's probably right, but I think I would change it. I would say it's just do it, but I can't trademark on that. I can't use that one. So instead, no, I would say quit talking. Don't say it back. I know what you're thinking. But, but James is really trying to, to show us the value of living out our faith and not just talking about it. Um, and so I want to leave you with one more question to reflect on because there were so many questions and there's so much information here. I think that we could sum it all up and just ask this one question uh, that would probably help us to know which kind of wisdom we are pursuing and living by. And so if you could not talk, maybe for one week, 
or for the rest of your life, if you could not talk, would people still know that you follow Jesus? I mean, really, if you couldn't tell them, you couldn't tell them you went to church, maybe they don't see you at church, they only see you when you're, you're at work or uh, wherever your social activities are, that's where they see you, would they know that you were a follower of Jesus? Because if, if, we're, if we're seeking this second wisdom, I think they would. See, we see a, a, a pure and peace-loving and submissive and considerate example only in Jesus. I mean, really, what's the answer? It's, it's Jesus. Well, who's following, who followed this wisdom perfectly? It was Jesus. He, he talked. We read in the Bible about some, we read some of Jesus' words. He said some great things. But when you look through the New Testament in the Gospels, you see a lot of, of places that it wasn't Jesus talking, but it was someone else who followed him and recorded his actions. We see how he related to other people. We see how he would find someone who was very proud and, and arrogant, and, and he would kind of bring them down. But then he would go to this other person who, who was, was broken and insecure and, and maybe upset, and he would, he would lift them up. He just did everything that needed to, to happen the, the way it should happen. Uh, we, see, we saw how he served, not just, you know, so people could see that I serve in this area, but he washed his disciples' feet. It'd be like, like cleaning the toilets, maybe, or, or, or worse. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's worse than that, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Um, but we saw the way he gave and the way he loved, the way he sacrificed. See, he was the perfect example of someone who lived with wisdom from heaven. And so... So we have to make a couple of decisions. Um, the first decision, uh, it actually has nothing to do with wisdom. It has everything to do with life. See, Jesus first, because of his submission to God and because of his perfect wisdom, he made a decision to submit to God even when it got hard, even whenever it cost him his life, and he died in our place on the cross. And we needed a Savior, and so he became, he didn't want to do it, but he still submitted to God because he knew this was the thing to do. So he offers us new life. And this is, this is a couple of amazing things. It's, it's heaven. We, we go to heaven because of what Jesus did for us, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. But the second thing it does, it, it takes away our guilt. You know, maybe, maybe you heard some of the things earlier about, well, I, I, have a really nice, I had a really nice job, or maybe I have a really nice job, but I did some things I'm not proud of to get there. Or I have some, some possessions that probably cheated the system a little, or maybe, uh, maybe I just found some loopholes, and I'm not proud of how I got that. That's okay, because Jesus offers forgiveness and new life, and now we, we accept this forgiveness, and we can live differently. We don't, have to, we don't have to live that way anymore. We can say, oh, God, I have this now. I'm not really proud of some things, but I'm going to live for your glory, and so whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that. That's the new life that starts right now. Um, and then if you have that, if you've made that decision, if you've accepted Jesus to be your master and you've accepted his gift of grace and he's your savior, ask for more wisdom. I mean, really sincerely seek it out and maybe study this text in James chapter 3. Uh, how, how can I live this and, and what good will it do? Not, not for me. How will I glorify God more because of this wisdom? And how will it help my family? How will it help my community? See, we look at that disorder and the chaos around us. We don't really want that. No one wants that. As long as, maybe sometimes we think if I have peace in my own home, I'm sorry about the stuff going on around me, but there's nothing I can do. Yeah, there is. We seek this wisdom, and we, we change ourselves, and we change the community. And I know it sounds a little bit cheesy, but we really can change the world. So let's just start right here. Um, so if you have a decision, 
to make, though, if, if you haven't first accepted the life that, that Jesus offered on the cross, I'd just ask that you would consider that, and if you can come forward and find me, or see a prayer counselor, or talk to the person next to you, whatever it takes. All right, let's, let's pray. God, uh, I thank you so much that you, you have given us life. I thank you that we didn't have to earn it, and, and that even in our competitive spirits, uh, as much as it'd be nice to try to use this life to try to earn something that's so big, we can't, and we would fail, and you know that, and so you made a way for us. And so in your love, uh, I thank you so much that you, you made a Savior, um, or you made a, uh, a way to be, to be saved through Jesus. God, I ask for, uh, uh, for every person here to consider uh, the way that we live, uh, not, not for our gain, uh, but for yours, and, and for the good of, of the world, and, and for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, ask for your blessing uh, through the rest of the service, as well as through this upcoming week, as we continually seek you and try to become more spiritually mature. Thank you so much for Jesus, and it's his name I pray. Amen.